Hey, if you think you might be lost because you got lots of your thoughts, I'll be informed. Or if you're feeling like a fool, cause you've been used just like a tool since you were born. Hey, if you're trying to get through life, then friend, I've got some great advice for not growing horns. They say that ignorance is bliss, but if you knew, then you'd be pissed, so get informed. Trigger warning for this episode. It's been a bad week. Welcome back to Getting Informed, a leftist literature podcast on this episode where we discuss manufacturing consent by some dudes. With me, your host, Colin Orton, is my co-host. Allison Gropey. And with both of us, your co-hosts, are your special guests. Anna McGarry and Sarah Norris. I'm glad that we're all in very echoey rooms today. I think it's important. We Um, all need to be swimming in the same pool. We're all sitting in the same cavernous basement. Mm, Delicious. Today we're going to try and cover chapters three and four of Manufacturing Consent. Chapter three being legitimizing versus meaningless. Okay, can someone get this right for me? Because I think that my edition of the book has like different words in some places. The title of chapter three, I have it as legitimizing versus meaningless third world elections. El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua. Is that right? I'm listening to the audiobook, which does not have chapter titles on it. It just says chapter three. Sarah will come to our aid. (laughs) Um, Because that doesn't sound grammatically correct to me. Legitimizing (laughs) versus meaningless. Anyway, that's true. It might might work in in the legitimizing... Not as a verb, but as an adjective. Oh. Um, bad, bad, bad. Well, that chapter, and then we're going to try and get to chapter four, which is the KGB, the KGB Bulgarian plot to kill the Pope. <laughs> Free market disinformation. Dude, chapter four is crazed. That was, that was a lot. We're going to have to that down. I don't think I know what happened. Hey. It's, it's fucking wild. That was the one where I was like, I'm sorry, and like taking notes all over the place because of how deeply mm-hmm. insane it was. That was the one I had to do the most outsourced Wikipedia-ing on to make sure I understood what was happening. I'm glad somebody did. I got distracted. It was also the one where I was like the most tired. I was like, okay. Chapter three had worn me down, and I feel like my understanding of chapter four suffered for that. They just went on and on in chapter three. Didn't stop. Chapter three. I get it. I get it. I I don't mean to brag, but I ran five miles while listening to it, and it was still all chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazed. Well, but before we get into the text. As y'all know, we have a new segment on this show. So, Colin, how many minutes would you like me to give you on that oh, timer God. today? Oh, God, like 15, maybe. Do you think you could do 13? Do you think it could be? Yeah, let's try for 13. Good. I was going to give you 10, but since you've had a hard day, I'll give you 13. Sure, sure. All, <laughs> All right, right, let's go for Ready? 13. Set, go. Would you rather do international or domestic news first? International. International news. Okay, so um, I've fallen behind on protest news uh, in uh, lots of other places because of um, some certain things that we'll cover in the domestic news. That being said, however, um, oh no, all of my tabs, all of my tabs. Um, That being said, uh, laws have been passed in the UK, uh, which essentially 
Um, the, uh, the, the London Metropolitan Police were consulted by the House of Commons into uh, drafting uh, new protest laws. And so if you even touch a statue, uh, you can get 10 years in prison. Um, um, the Lord's work they're doing in. Uh, basically the UK is cracking down on protests really, really hard, essentially, um, because they're tired of them happening now. So, all right, you've had your fun. No more protesting ever again. Um, so now I'm just going to scroll. Uh, oh, I found it. I'm so dumb. Uh, okay. So the bill, uh, will change the powers of the police and allow the police to be able to impose a start and finish time on protests. That doesn't. <laughs> Set noise limits. Well, that doesn't. It's so like infantilizing. This is so funny. It's like they don't understand what a protest is. And count a single person as a demonstration. Okay, that oh is a, my God. that's very dangerous territory. Uh, if you refuse uh, to uh, follow police directions, you can be arrested or fined up to twenty five hundred pounds, four thousand dollars. Wow! So the UK is uh, being a bit of an asshole right now. Uh, in deeply funny news, um, Idaho lawmakers heard the pitch to Im- uh, to change the borders of the state of Idaho and uh, impose the state of Greater Idaho, um, which would absorb 22 Oregon counties and uh, like four California counties, making Idaho the third largest state in the union. Now, did those parts of California, did they, did they agree? Uh-huh. They want to secede from California and Oregon because they're tired of being ruled over by uh, um, the uh, uh, Willamette Valley Democrats. These, this is the uh, enormous portion of the state with less than one person per square mile. Uh, So even though they're adding like several thousand acres of land, it's literally only like maybe a couple hundred, a thousand people that are actually seceding. I'm trying to. No, it was just taking it. It was their manifestancy time. Hey, (laughs) we said divine right of kings. We said we get this land. Um, So yeah, that's deeply funny uh, because they want the right to uh, raise their children the way that they want to run profitable businesses and be free of government overreach. Racism. Which to me is dog whistling for we want to be Christian dominionists in the way that we raise our children. Uh, we don't want to listen to COVID bullshit about closing businesses and we don't want to wear masks. Mm-hmm. That's like mostly, mostly what that seems to be about. government have to approve that? Like Both governments have to approve it. And so it's probably not going to happen, but the oh, Idaho yeah. government is now hearing pitches. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I jumped immediately to racism, but when you say you want oh, to be no not- Christian dominionist stuff is inherently racist. <laughs> Yeah. When someone says, I don't want anyone telling me how to raise my children, that to me reads as, yeah. okay, nationalist. Okay. Well, actually, the issue that got the Christian right into politics was integration of schools. Yikes. That was and now one, here they are. one issue. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah. civil rights and integration of schools was what got most- like the Christian right into politics. Anyway, moving on from that stupid bullshit, um, there was an attempted White Lives uh, Matter rally all over the country on April 11th. 
there were like dozens and dozens of White Lives Matter rallies that were uh, that were supposed to uh, happen all over the country, and almost every single one was so infiltrated by anti-fascist like uh, people with Telegram channels. Uh, Telegram channels. Well, yeah, you know, the encrypted app Telegram. Most of these were oh. planned on Telegram uh, group chats. I legit thought you were talking about Telegrams. No, like, no. <laughs> That's, I was about the Telegram app this morning, so I got it. Telegram app, it's an app. It's an, it's, an, it's, an encry- it's an encrypted messaging app. Continue. Oh, uh, most of these uh, were so infiltrated by anti-fascist organizers that they were like, none of them even happened. There was a big one in Huntington Beach, California, where Klansmen and neo-Nazis showed up, um, including ones who have like obviously assaulted people in the past. And the one in New York City, which happened in front of uh, Trump Tower, had exactly two people show up to it, (laughs) both of whom were wearing Adam Waffen style skull masks. Uh, and when there were so, f- uh, and then the NYPD bought them a taxi so they could go away. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. The NYPD <laughs> bought the, the Nazis hell? a taxi. What? Yeah. That's so. Uh, Andrew Yang. No. Uh, a, a We're talking days. about Andrew Yang. <laughs> Andrew Yang, who's running for um, uh, president of New York City, um, <laughs> uh, showed up to a uh, protest recently. All right, before I get into that, okay, it's time. Mm, no, let's get into the, let's get over the fun news before we get into the sadness. He was this at a protest. Uh, he was at a protest recently and um, he showed up with a camera crew on a bike to do a little protest photo op and he got booed out. Um, so good for Brooklyn for saying no to Andrew Yang's bullshit. Hell yeah. Uh, according to the New York Times, um, the Capitol Police were told to hold back on riot response on January 6th. They like actually received orders to go easy on the insurrectionists, which we've been new, but like good that that's now official. Are people um, still playing cleanup on the January 6th insurrection? The FBI is still uh, playing cleanup, yeah. Uh, well, that's, it was an embarrassment. Wait, are, for real? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The FBI seems bad at their job. The FBI is really bad at tracking down right-wing insurgents and incredibly good at tracking down labor organizers. Everything <laughs> they want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were uh, asking, like, they were just putting pictures on their Twitter after January 6th and being like, have you seen these people? Literally tracking through their Etsy transactions, like my better. These people were out and proud, full face posting about it. Like, hey, it's me, Jonathan Whitey. Like, I love white people. Hurrah! Proud Nazi in his Twitter bio. Mm-hmm. Like they bought plane tickets. They've yeah. been through toll booths. There's got to be a better way to they use the government. They were all booking up hotels. Mm-hmm. Hello. Goodness gracious. And instead they're using like, have you seen this man? Like <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Fucking milk carton style. <laughs> um, oh, a, uh, a Fresno police officer was fired for being a member of the Proud Boys. Good. That's good. Uh, which rip Lamau. Um, oh, uh, the LAPD are being shitlords about violence. Um, they're basically refu- they've been sued over being insanely violent, and the NYP, uh, the LAPDs are are denying it. They'd be like, "That was nuts. <laughs> Sorry, you had it wrong." Oops. Um, 
on, on April, video, on video, babe. Calm for him. In some good news, for once, this is uh, this article is dated April tenth. Uh, Maryland passed sweeping um, police reform legislation. Uh, the Democratic-led legislature, this is uh, from the New York Times, uh, enacted the changes by overriding Governor Larry Hogan's vetoes, plural. Um, okay. It limits no-knock warrants. Um, it adds a civilian, um, like, civilian charging committees that will review the findings, of, uh, quote, that will review the findings of law enforcement agencies and recommend discipline for others. Police chiefs will not be able to issue, uh, issue disciplinary actions more lenient than the level recommended by the civilian panels. Bare minimum, but like something happened, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you as usual for aggregating those news sections for us, Colin. Are we ready to just dive in? Let's manufacture some, some consent. consent. All right. Well, chapter three, legitimizing versus meaningless third world elections, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Nicaragua basically casts three different elections elections uh, it takes three different elections in southern america that also plays within three three years of each other um and compares the way that u.s and the u.s media handled them based on whether they were a client state or not as in el salvador and guatemala where it's a u.s client state or you they're backed by a u.s funded or directly supplied counterinsurgency group as opposed to Nicaragua, whose only conflict at the time was from U.S. Contra agents, right? And their leading party at the time was the Sandinistas, which was socialist. Yes, so. and was popular among the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can see why the U.S. would not want to make that look good mm-hmm. or legitimate. Yeah. And we just go into the election propaganda frameworks, the different ways through which you can legitimize or delegitimize an election. Uh, if anyone wants to dive in with a good quote or a good point first. I think, I think my favorite point is the fact that voter turnout is used to legitimize elections in client states and is completely disregarded in mm-hmm. um, non-client or hostile states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was extra interesting because in Guatemala and El Salvador, these client states, voting was mandatory. Mm-hmm. With a threat of significant punishment. Like they'd say it was just a fine, but you really got the feeling. But there were like. You already got fucked up if you didn't go vote. If you did not. And if you went and you like didn't. They had the clear. clear they had the ballot boxes. And they had trade turned out. That's choices, but and you could try to not even vote and they still would be like, fuck you, we're going to. And translucent. That has like. Hey guys, you should vote. Everybody come over. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they, like, had had a, to. they had a literacy campaign before. Like in El Salvador, they didn't even bother to do that to, in Guatemala to be like, hey, in case you, because a lot of people couldn't read. Oh. oh, yeah. And they actually, I think in Guatemala, it says that they like had a literacy campaign beforehand to ensure. Th- yes. Yeah, that political literature would work. Just the, they, I don't remember whether it was Sweden or some other. European country that Guatemala called in to like legitimize their election basically to like serve as an outside observer but they said that their election was done as fair as it could possibly be America disregarded that but then when they said about in regards to El Salvador and Nicaragua that these elections oh my gosh elections these elections were clerically like technically above board but were created in a culture of fear 
where people couldn't feel encouraged to actually vote for who they wanted and where some most of the population was not represented in the party line. Not to mention that uh, parties hostile to the state were uh, simply not on the ballot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think you mean uh, El Salvador and Guatemala were the yeah, ones who picked the elections, not Nicaragua. Yes. yes, so sorry. I... <laughs> Listen. Don't bring them down. <laughs> no, don't, don't bring them down. Don't do that. <laughs> As of right now, I have good opinion of the Sandinista <laughs> government and Guatemala. I don't know if I'm going to ever learn anything that'll change that, but right now. <laughs> I mean, like. The, and as far as like the culture of fear is concerned, we're talking like piles of executed corpses left on the road mm-hmm. in like oh, public yeah. areas. More heinous crimes. We're, the, the violence never stops here. It's we're we're talking about like, disgusting. yeah, it's like we will war crime the absolute shit out of you if you don't vote. Literally anybody. that you know, Anyone. <laughs> yeah, something mm-hmm. that... When I was reading uh, People's History of the United States today, I think I was like flipping through the afterword and the author Howard Zinn was saying like, look, everyone has a bias that's inherent. I'm not afraid of that because there are naturally things you're going to put in the story and things you are not. And that is where that comes from. And it's just so applicable in like this whole chapter in this whole book, like in Nicaragua where, you know, it was not mandatory to go vote. They had high voter turnout. And that was never mentioned. They didn't care um, because they're like, well, it wasn't like even really like a real election anyway. So it really doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's and just they used like crazy. weird quotes from random people on the street to talk about things. They would like leave it. They would not explain their quotation. They'd just be like, here's something that someone said on the street. Oh, and how they're talking about how the fact like oh, all these people seem to be reacting with apathy or indifference. Yeah, they're in line. One person. So <laughs> anywhere you go, hard. someone standing in line is not going to be reacting super excitedly. They're waiting in a queue. They're in a line. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, I have. Oh, go ahead. Did they expect them to like jump for joy? Like, what? Yeah. What is the expectation yeah. from like? Uh, yeah, are you? We're going to vote. Like, how do you feel yeah. about that? So if you ask someone that in America, people will be like, yeah, I have to figure out how to fucking take off work so like, that I can go and vote. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I hope I get to, you know? I've been standing in line for two hours and it's illegal for anyone to give me water. So. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, speaking, anyway. of, speaking of recent uh, uh, legislation. Colin. Um, uh, the, the Florida House of uh, Representatives Stop just passed. talking about that. Uh, the Florida... <laughs> The Florida House of Representatives just passed a bill um, where uh, transgender high schoolers uh, can receive oh. genital inspections from faculty. Yeah. That is state-sanctioned pedophilia. Why are you allowing... scourge of anti-trans legislation. Like, There's been a... Yeah. It's really amping up. And it's just... So, like, who the fuck are we to legitimize someone's elections, you know? Absolutely. On that note, the one thing I loved, I want to just provide a paragraph of, like, data for what Sarah and Anna were saying, both in regards to um, happy, smiling faces, what you were saying with that, and, like, uh, the actual facts of how successful these elections were. Uh, 
when they were covering the 1982 Salvadoran election, they kept mentioning these threats of disruption by leftist guerrillas and that even though there was a battle going on, they were trading bullets for ballots and this was going to bring democracy and they call it like the happy word democracy, insisting that democracy is like the highest good and declared a triumph that one million people got to the polls, neglecting to mention the fact that they were legally required or that Nicaragua got 700,000 people, which is a higher portion of their population without the legal voting requirement, or the fact that there was active violence against civilians going on in El Salvador at the time, and or the fact that Salvadoran Defense Minister General Guillermo Garcia had published a warning in national news outlets against non-voting. This all happened not to go into the American media. And then in regards to the smiling faces thing, they talk a lot in this chapter about how American media loves to publicize the physical signs of what is a free election without mentioning the fact that in the months preceding this, in the entire electoral process, they have none of the five, what they call basic preconditions for a free election. I just election. you would have those all laid out. <laughs> I got you. Do you want to go through those five preconditions now, I baby? Love that, honestly. <laughs> all right, motherfuckers. First off, we got free speech and assembly. Then we got freedom of the press, freedom of organization of intermediate groups, intermediate groups, primarily unions in this case. <laughs> Collins broken up cackle. And then number four, we've got freedom to organize parties, field candidates, and campaign without fear of violence. Baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. And then finally, and most obviously, and yet somehow absent from the American media's presentation of the Salvadoran or Guatemalan uh, elections, we have the absence of state terror or a climate of fear. Ooh, oh no. Okay. Like someone doesn't meet those categories. <laughs> like a few people. Yeah. Someone people in Oh yeah. <laughs> and they just mentioned this once, but I just wanted to throw it in there before we maybe go into these preconditions or go into more of the coverage. But I thought this was funny was that oddly enough, uh, the U.S.'s own propaganda machine made Nicaragua a better environment for elections because since every Nicaraguan misdeed was held, I have in quotes, as evidence of the sinister quality of the Sandinista government on page 93, the Nicaraguan government was under extreme pressure to behave while U.S. satellite states were free to murder at will without serious political cost. Wow. So they had to be like, nope, didn't commit any abuse this year, wasn't harassing anyone there, like super on their game. Meanwhile, we have literal bodies piling up in El Salvador because the U.S. is in there. They're chill. Like I said earlier that um, states hostile to the government like, like weren't on the ballot. Not just the Revolutionary Party states, but any reform party was not on any of the ballots in either U.S. client state. It's unhinged. Um, yeah. Also, uh, U.S. media loves, and this is something that has seeped into American understanding of uh, politics, actually, is uh, we are obsessed with the aesthetics of democracy mm. without actually like wanting or needing any of the required like freedoms. So, for example, uh, he, in this chapter, I fucking love how hard this book goes after one Stephen Kinzer of the New York Times. Uh, get it wrecked. Uh, um, he's not to name names, my fingers. Very Taylor Swift of him. Um, Who could say he was inspired? 
Now, because I'm a fucking idiot, I don't remember uh, which uh, country he made this reference to, but Kinzer talked about one of the elections as um, uh, having, uh, this is the last Latin American president in a military uniform. Like, it's about, like, transitioning away from the military junta style of government. And it just, like... I actually think I have quotes from there. Uh, Was it the article... Oh, no, I'm thinking of... The MIGs that weren't there. That's about Nicaragua. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get to um, that. But like, you can be a dictator without epaulets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I don't. I don't. I, so this is something uh, that I've I've spoken a lot about um, with my parents, who are both kind of liberals. Is they really like they don't see anything wrong because they're they're you know upper middle class white liberals as long as the aesthetics of democracy are still present they they see no problems they 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 don't recognize any actual issues as long as the as long as the aesthetics are still there like i had to explain to them that no ice agents can suspend your civil liberties as long as you're within 100 miles of a coastline and like they they didn't accept that this was a problem yeah because that's like no we live in a democracy silly that's not how that works. But we're a good country, Colin. We would never. Like, it's genuinely funny to me how much people are willing to just not believe, like how much blatant truth, written down fact, people are willing to disregard because it doesn't suit their ideology. Well, I mean, the... Not saying, I'm sure your parents are lovely. <laughs> oh, no. It's, there is a rise of, like, conspiracism in modern, like, politics, Just... even to the extent where, like, you know, I have a friend who was uh, called a liar um, because uh, she, uh, by her own mother, uh, because she said uh, that Joe Biden is not slowing down, is actually accelerating deportations, which is a fact. Which he did. And, yeah, uh... And her mother called her a liar and said it was probably Russia. Like, what? How? How? Unclear. Unclear. Propaganda. It doesn't matter. Get her in the Zoom call. Send her the link. I have questions. Oh my like, god. Uh, th- this is a phenomenon that has been nicknamed Blue Maga. I love that. That is really funny. Because, because it's true. Like, do you know who coined that term? <laughs> no, it's been a term for a while. Just describing the like. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this has been awful. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> Something I found like important from chapter three was their emphasis that even, I mean, I guess we're calling them elections in Guatemala and El Salvador, even though they're not really meeting any of those criteria of like a free and fair election. Mm-hmm. But even the people running, there was no peace candidate. It was yeah. only, it was like similar candidates and there, there was no peace option and there was a Nicaragua. And again, guess who didn't mention that? The U.S. media. No peace mm-hmm. candidate sounds familiar to me somehow. Uh, the fact that <laughs> when like we have an election, um, that it, uh, we don't get peace candidates. We, we get forever war and forever war parentheses she her and parentheses (laughs) oh my god yeah lots of wars lots of money lots of deportation but they wear different colored ties so let's think about that Mm -hmm. she's in a blue pantsuit instead of a red pantsuit (laughs) so this is a principle known as uh, Foucault's boomerang 
which is uh, the methods of repression used in the colonies inevitably find their way home. And uh, one of the one of the things uh, that I saw on Twitter uh, Twitter was a uh, uh, Dr. Juniper uh, Simonis, uh, who's in Portland. They're an incredible uh, like what chemi- a name chemical specialist, Ooh. and they they have been studying the use of tear gas uh, and the use of chemical weapons. And um, there's there's a device known as like an industrial fogger, which uh, it was originally designed to spray um, like pesticides on crops. It essentially operates like a, um, a leaf blower and the Portland police have co-opted it to spray tear gas. It's essentially like a, like a leaf blower or a flamethrower for tear gas. And uh, the first time that was used in the United States was only seven years after it was used in Vietnam with Agent Orange. Uh, so like it's fascinating to see how quickly and that's a very literal one because it's an actual weapon but you can see our methods of propaganda being wielded exactly the same way at home with our democratic and republican parties having very little in terms of policy differences (laughs) that reminds me about when we were reading uh end of policing and we found out that the same people that like trained in guantanamo and uh prisons of that quality we're like training cops here in the country as well well i mean general smedley butler that was ed smedley who uh was um basically the occupying leader of the filipino constabulary uh established the philadelphia police department which was like one of the first modern police departments in the united states he didn't establish it but he was like the major modernizing force behind it and he based that police department on his army that he used to crush the philippines yep so you know connections literature (laughs) juxtaposition wow (laughs) this is a grim episode you guys yeah we'll have to make some really good jokes to really spice up the comedy and liven up the tone. It's Nothing. so hard to make jokes about yeah, this. I have a fun Oh, I got a joke first. Okay. Um, Tell- you're telling me a man named Smedley Butler did all those crimes? <laughs> that man should be a comic strip villain with a name like that. Oh. <laughs> Smedley Butler, more like Deadly Butler. He also prevented a fascist coup in the U.S., the business Ah. plot. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun story, though. Mm -hmm. It's not important. Um, (laughs) But it is fun. (laughs) He also radicalized toward the end of his life uh, and was like, there's no greater dupe than the American soldier. Like, like war, war is a grift and the soldiers are the rubes. Like... Wow. Yeah, he he turned he turned like 60 and was like my whole life has been a lie. Like can you imagine? I hope I'm praying for some of that with some people. I was just listening to an NPR story. I don't remember the show, but they were interviewing some military trainer guy who like works at the school where they teach all the boys. And he he just realized, like in his 50s, 60s, after his multiple history degrees and years in the military. That the Confederacy was bad, and he was like, "Wait, we're naming everything after the Confederacy." That, but they were the bad guys. They were traitors to the country. And then he um, realized that all of the naming and stuff happened during the Civil Rights Movement in the sixties. And he was like, "No, wait, just a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, this is racism. Is systemic race." Yeah, it was a black woman interviewing him. She's like, "So, what happened here?" 
I have some Smedley Butler quotes to make us feel warm and tingly. Oh, maybe not tingly, but okay. Um, here's three uh, real good Smedley Butler quotes. Um, Pre or post, uh, post midlife post, crisis? Post okay. midlife crisis. Okay, cool. There are only two things we should fight for. One is the defense of our homes and the other is the Bill of Rights. Two, okay. war is a racket. It is, a, <laughs> it is the only one inter, international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. Um, The third is hilarious, which is, I believe in adequate defense at the coastline and nothing else. (laughs) Abolish all military, save for the Coast Guard. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Underrated gems. Never met a problematic Coast Guard dude, but then again, mm. actually, okay. retract that statement. Um, <laughs> I know the me. meme in military classes that the, that they're kind of like the dorks of the military. I just never, ever, ever since. I would never praise anyone in the military. Anyone in the military? I don't want to. I- Listen, I was young. I was dumb. Listen, may have had a one night stand with a soldier. It's fine. I called myself a patriot for a couple months and got over it. Oh my god! You, oh, all right. I was gonna make a joke about that's fine. Listen, I thought I was doing the Lord's work. I thought this was America. Anyway, um, I do want to point out a little the just uh, the complete turnaround and like noticing of the America never notices its own hypocrisy until it needs to say the things it should be saying about itself, about someone else. Uh, they never points out the problems in its treatment of democracy or elections towards El Salvador and Guatemala until it's time to point them out against Nicaragua. And then all of a the sudden they're wondering, Hmm, how are they able to get ballots on? people on the ballots is it funded appropriately is it fair despite the fact of the transparent ballot boxes and uh tissue paper thin ballots used in salvadoran election and also <laughs> yeah they had clear ballot boxes i was like are you fucking kidding me it's a sick joke and translucent ballot paper yeah, that was the kicker. I was like, okay, all right. I don't. Mm-hmm. I if think- I could use the paper to see if there's too much grease on my pizza, it's too thin. <laughs> uh, what um, were you gonna say, Colin? Like, there was always media focus on like there's food shortages and poor public transit, and you see this logic is used often against uh, socialist nations and enemies of the United States. For example, you know you you see uh, you see it on Facebook fucking constantly. Photos of empty store shelves be like Vuvuzela communism, four hundred billion dead, you know, and it's just like pictures of of empty uh, store shelves, and they never talk about why that country has food shortages or why the public transit system has been completely fucking destroyed or why there's no infrastructure really like also, robbing it of questions you could be asking for this country yeah and we're not interested and we're not interested in that narrative which is interesting to me because capitalism because, democracy good there well, are problems here and especially in latin america and the united states the answer uh for why are things bad is generally U.S. policy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I believe there was, I think, I can't find the exact quote, but there was a beautiful 
I mean, horribly, horrifically sad, but pretty way he phrased um, the, it was clear that the U.S.'s intentions in El Salvador were with the election, with sponsoring and paying for a quote unquote fair election was more to appease the American people to make them feel comfortable being in El Salvador and justifying continued violence against the rebel populations than it was for actual democracy. However, I just want to mention this before I move on, is the U.S. disseminating fake news about Nicaragua during their election process? The MIGs that weren't there? Y'all remember that? The uh, uh, for, uh, for, for our audience so that you don't have to Google it. MIG-21 fighter jets, baby. I Soviet that planes. Shit. Soviet planes. Oh, they lined up. Yeah, that was like an official government drop. Mm-hmm. They were like, hey guys, and so then the U.S. outlets were like, oh my god, the planes. Oh no, Nicaragua bad. They did. I was actually, I found a New York Times article critiquing manufacturing consent, but I like showed Colin at work for a second today. And they're like, Whoa. yeah, a lot of good points. Sometimes they overstate, like when they were talking about, was in my jeans. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. When they were like, actually, um, the newspapers, if you waited a day, they actually said that was bad. We're sorry. We shouldn't, like, the U.S., the government shouldn't have told us that. And I was like, I think you're missing the point, honey. It's like, you still put it out there blindly. Mm-hmm. Also, that's a story in and of itself. Like, if you were a responsible news source, you would have said, hey, the government told us to say that. Um, yeah, you should have been like, this is wrong. And also, the government told us this, so be on the lookout. Yeah. <laughs> the government said to say that Nicaragua was getting a huge shipment of Soviet planes. To clarify for the yeah, listeners, I'm just mad for Nicaragua because even now yeah. I feel like people are like Nicaragua is so oh no, dude. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Look uh, at- it sounds like they were not. Look. I'm not saying they're great. I don't know everything about there, but at least they didn't have a fucking paper thin tissue paper. Ballots, <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Just to clarify for the listeners at home that may not have read the chapter yet, they weren't receiving Soviet planes. There they were no planes. The U.S. released information that they were receiving these planes. All the evidence they had of it was a shipping container that looked like the kind the Soviet used for planes. There was a container. There could have been planes. You don't know. This really correlates back to chapter two when they were talking about the the Polish uh, clergyman who was like murdered and they were asking all these Mm. questions and blah, 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 blah. But there's no lead. They're trying to do that with Nicaragua. Meanwhile, in El Salvador, they have like, you know, the story that they want. If the real motivator for behind this news was to like keep audience eyeballs and get that juicy drama, they would be covering El Salvador. Instead, they're making up news in Nicaragua to it's cast through the yeah. light. Fake and news. even, what'd you say? Go ahead. Fake news, bitch. Hey. And I also, I have a quote here, uh, even in the article that the Newsweek article that talked about the fact that this was wrong, the article was entitled the MIGs that weren't there. It still tried to cast Nicaragua in a bad light for having, not having the planes. I have a quote here is he, he basically says the fact that they were shipping something means they were preparing to fight. And the quote here uh, on page 138 is, The fact that the MIGs weren't brought in, as stated in the article's very title, dash, that this was a concoction of U.S. officials, dash, 
doesn't interfere with imputing an intention to the Nicaraguans based on a non-existent fact. The assertion that they were contemplating being a threat as opposed to defending themselves against a proxy invasion is also a patriotic editorial judgment. Which, were, um, just yeah. as criminal justice is concerned, uh, contemplating being a threat is the same as being a threat, regardless of whether or not you're actually doing either. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Thank you for that, Colin. I appreciate it. What's that <laughs> sci-fi movie where they put a guy in a jar and he can read the future crimes? You can't do that. Minority there's whole, Report. There's a whole movie about why we can't do that. It's well, called also, Minority Report. Well, it's, it's a really convenient way of um, excusing murder uh, because you can just kind of go, no, no, he was thinking about wanting to kill me and that is the same as wanting to kill me because you can't prove what somebody's thinking. Mm. especially not when it's actually tens of thousands of somebodies who operate in a government. That's the beauty of a thought crime, baby. <laughs> There's no trace. <laughs> That's why they're so dangerous and need to be stopped. That's <laughs> it's psychic violence against me. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, the greatest examples, uh, I think, and I'm going to bring it up again because consent manufacturing machine go burr. And I think it is the greatest example of the consent manufacturing machine that we've seen in our lifetimes. And not that we really saw it because we were young, uh, but the war in Iraq, we pulled those weapons of mass destruction out of our ass. I, I don't know what I was listening to. It might've been the podcast, the daily zeitgeist, but it, someone was talking about like, being like a teenager early 20s during that time period and they were trying to find like u.s sources and they couldn't they had to go to like british news sources someone who would tell the truth or like more the truth Ooh, ouchie. yeah mm-hmm. can't trust the u.s news yeah. that's also super evident in the way that countries that aren't the u.s cover u.s elections yeah, yeah. when i found out everyone had been clowning on us this whole time <laughs> The fact that the fact that the rest of the world is like, nah, U.S. elections are fucked, man. They're completely unhinged. I, I guess I just didn't know the extent to which they were saw through the whole facade that is so strong in this country. I didn't know it was so clear because it's, it's clear to me. But I'm like, it's oh, so funny. I, love, I think the. Uh, oh God, I lost what I was going to say. There's a reason Europeans stereotype about Americans is that we're stupid. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you had a quote for this chapter, right, Sarah? Oh, yeah, but it was, like, silly and fun, and then... Oh, yeah. We've already moved past this. No, no. No, go ahead. <laughs> but no, let's no. get everything yes. out. I mean, basically, this chapter was just, here are the ways that we handled three different elections, two that we were in support of, one that we were against, and the biased way we covered it. Let's get all those good quotes in before we move on to the next. Hit me with those saucy quotes. I don't remember who it was by, but this someone in Nicaragua said... All Nicaraguans who are Nicaraguans are going to vote. The only ones who are not going to vote are sellouts. <laughs> I was like, that was a good one. <laughs> I was like, damn. Shit. Maybe I'll be sorry about it down. Shit, tattoo that on my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be a fucking sellout, man. And I just think that perfectly, not, it does not perfectly encapsulate Nicaragua. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Don't forget to join us next time for ideally chapters five and six on the Indochina wars in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Bye guys. Bye.